to be here? Well, that didn't sound like you're excited. You're always, you're always surprised if I ask you a question. You know I'm going to ask you a question almost every time I get up here, so at least be prepared to fake it. Just kidding with you. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Visitors, we're especially glad that you're here. Thanks for showing up and uh, taking a an opportunity to get to know us as a church here in Waltham, and we look forward to getting to know you better, um, hopefully today, and if you come back, it's in the weeks to come. So thanks for, thanks for spending some time with us this morning. This video kind of gives us an intro into what we're going to be talking about the next three weeks. Um, we are entering into a series called Welcome Home, and uh, parts of this video describe some of the things that are very dear to us as a church and one of them specifically, and we'll, we'll speak a little bit more about this next week, is uh, the community that we experience through small groups. And uh, we want to highlight that this morning and let you know that next week we'll be introducing all of the small groups that are a part of our church this fall or that we will be offering. And we'll have some information about each one of those groups uh, when you come next week. And we're, we're believing, we're praying that uh, as many people, it would be awesome if all of you who call Antioch Community Church of Waltham home would, would not only visit, but be a part of one of these groups in the, coming, in the coming semester. So that information will be available next week. We'll also have our leaders around for you to be able to meet them and to ask questions about what their groups are going to be like. Um, also, um, uh, more specifically, we have another specific group. It's not a life group. Um, it's a group that is called... Uh, the dunamis group. Dunamis is a Greek word that means power, and we have some really good friends and ministers in the area, Christopher and Dorothy Greco, who are going to be um, initiating a very specific group. Um, the maximum number for this group is six men and six women. They're going to be um, uh, introducing a safe therape- a therapeutic setting for Christian men who need Jesus' power to be manifest in personal weakness as they face challenges and disillusionment in the realm of relationships, sexual identity, vocation, or physical health. And so Christopher and Dorothy have led these groups for 20 years. Christopher is a licensed or he's a master's level counselor. Um, They've done many of these groups together. Dorothy is a writer and photojournalist. Um, They've both been pastoring for years, 20, 20 plus years in the church. And they come with a lot of experience and a lot of testimonies of how God has not only set people free in the area of bondage and encouraged people in their areas of brokenness, but also released people in hope and um, security in their calling um, as sons and daughters of the Lord. So we're really encouraging um, you to check this out. They'll be here next week at the end of the service to do an interest group um, after, uh, after the service, and then that, the groups will start on September 24th. There's more information about this. I, I could keep on reading, but I'll let you read about it on the back bar. And so if you're interested in that, just finding out what it's about, there's, there's information back there that you can take for yourself or maybe somebody else that you think would really, really um, thrive in this environment. Amen. Welcome home. The last couple of weeks, if you've been coming before this series, we've talked about how we as a church can be a home. And uh, we now want to f- switch the focus uh, off of who we are as the present um, church of Antioch Community Church in Waltham and then say to all of you who are visiting 
and in a sense to all of us again, what does it look like to be welcomed home uh, in God? Grace, it's good to have you back. Welcome home. <laughs> I just saw one of our college students who's been away all summer um, serving overseas, so it's good, to, it's good to have you back. What does it look like to, to welcome, be welcomed home? You know, the first thought that came to me, and actually you're hearing this theme, and Brendan and Sarah and I didn't talk about this this morning, so our illustrations are all the same illustration, which makes me think that God wants this illustration uh, to be received. But uh, the, way that I, uh, the way that I think about being welcomed home um, with the kind of welcome that Jesus wants is uh, similar to those, how many of you have seen those videos or those encounters where uh, a uh, a service person, a man or a woman in the military, surprises their son or daughter or spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend uh, uh, by coming home when they least expect it. You know what I'm talking about? We've seen it probably, all of you on, on the internet or um, at a commercial have seen this surprise visit. And uh, most unexpected, it's always unexpected, it's in, a, in the setting of a classroom or a sporting event or a workplace. And then all of a sudden, around the corner comes this person's loved one. And it is, it, is such a, it is such a fun experience as the observer to see the reaction in the surprised person's eyes or face when they see their mom, their dad, their husband, their spouse, their significant other surprise them. It's usually with shrieks of joy. It's almost always accompanied by tears of happiness and huge hugs of delight. Um, I remember uh, my own journey of a surprise welcome. When I turned 40, my wife pulled some strings, pulled some things together, and one of the things that she did is that she had my mom fly in and surprise me. And for those of you who know me, there's other than my, my closest relatives, my wife, I mean my, my immediate family, there's nobody that's more special to me than my mom. And um, I walk into a restaurant, and uh, Laura had taken me to, and there is my family, but at the, sitting at the head of the table is my mom. And, uh, you know, I was 40, you know, so I wasn't a kid anymore, and I probably had the same expression, but, oh, it's so good to see you. You know, what are you doing here? It was at Bugaboo, whatever that restaurant is, Bugaboo Creek or whatever, what, yeah, was that it was? Uh, but uh, the talking moose, you know, it was sit, sitting over me going, it's your mom. No, I'm just kidding. It <laughs> I was so excited to see my mom, a surprise guest, welcoming, welcoming, welcoming me uh, to dinner. Um, in my location, in my, in my place of living, uh, out of the blue, um, a joy. My question to us this morning as we talk about welcoming home is, what would it look like if on the other side of the door, and let's picture this, this home experience again. What would it look like that if, uh, as you walked up to uh, your door of your home, and as you opened the door on the other side, or if the door was open to you, on the other side of that door was Jesus. What if it was Jesus? I mean, my mom is awesome, but she's not Jesus. What if the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all the universe, the beginning and the end, and Sarah began to describe Jesus to you during communion with some of the stories of who Jesus is, and I want to do that again, but what if Jesus opened up 
your door and said, welcome home. Let's just go ahead and picture it right now. Your apartment, you go ahead and do Google Maps in your mind. It goes right to the door of your house right now. And you open up the door, or the door is opened up to you, however it works, and you walk into Jesus. What does Jesus look like? What kind of emotions or experiences do you feel? For those of you who are visiting, or maybe some of you in the room have no idea who Jesus is, we'll talk about that a little bit more. We'll fill in the picture. Maybe for you right now, it's like, um, he's a man that I don't know. <laughs> he's in the wrong house. <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> you know, so there might be a few experiences that I'm not wanting you to have. But for those of, whom, for those of us who know Jesus, Wow, what kind of experience do you have? I liken it, if we were to think scripturally, the best, best, uh, the best descriptors of this experience in Scripture, I believe, are when Jesus has died, has been buried, and then is risen from the grave. And remember, people see Him for the first time as the resurrected Savior. Do you remember these encounters? Uh, the two Marys go to the tomb to, to, to visit Jesus who is dead and He's not there. And they see angels and the angels say, He's not here. He's alive. And they run off to go tell the disciples that He's alive. And on the way, they run into Jesus. And what happens when they run into Jesus? If you don't remember, what happens to them is that they fall down on their feet. They fall down on their face and they worship Him. Jesus is alive. When that door opened, did some of you fall down on your face? Were you stunned? Would you be stunned in the presence of the Lord? There's a couple other men on, on the road talking about the, the wonder, but also the grief in their heart of what had happened to Jesus on the cross when He was crucified. And they were, they were talking between themselves about how sad and how disturbed they were about the events that had happened just a few days earlier. And then this man walks up in, middle, in the middle of him and he, he starts to talk to them and it says that he begins to, ex, he listens to what they're talking about, he asks them what they're talking about and then he begins to take the scripture, the word of God and explain to them who Jesus was, who he is and then when they get to their house, they start to have a meal, he breaks the bread and as he breaks the bread, all of a sudden they realize it's Jesus. And then right when they realize it's Jesus, it's probably like, ah, whoa, Wow! Ah! He disappears. And Jesus walks into the room of some of His disciples and it says they were afraid. They were in hiding because not only had Jesus been killed, but there was word out on the street uh, in their minds that people were looking for them probably to kill them because they had been associated with Jesus. And so they're afraid. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They've heard reports from, from the Marys that He was alive, but, it, but the way that Jesus responds to them makes us believe that maybe they still weren't believing that He really was alive. He comes into their midst suddenly. And reveals to them that He's alive and His first words were, do not be afraid, be at peace. I'm with you. And then He lets the doubters see the holes in His hands and the holes in His side. He, he confirms His presence. He eats food and lets them know that He has a stomach. He confirms that He is risen from the dead. And the peace 
and the faith of God rests upon these men. Not long after that, they're fishing. They're fishing in the Sea of Galilee and they're going out, they're fishermen, they're tough, common workers of this life. They're not uh, fancy, wealthy people. They're just common folks that Jesus had visited a few years earlier and said, drop your nets and follow me. And they're back doing their, 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 the thing that they know best. They're fishing. And they're not catching fish. And a man on the shore yells out to them and says, hey, why don't you... And they've been fishing all night, by the way. And they know how to fish. These are experienced fishermen. And he says, hey, by the way, why don't you throw your net on the other side? You can imagine the fishermen. You know, in Gloucester... They might not have some nice words for the man that told him how to fish. <laughs> Just want you to go ahead and experience what that might have sounded like if they were walking in the flesh. But Peter, walking in the Spirit, recognizes that the man calling out to them from the other shore, this was actually after they did what the man said, and they caught such a large fish that it was going to capsize their boat. And he recognizes this is the Son of God, and he jumps out of the boat and he runs to them. Jesus had already been making breakfast for them, some fish and some bread, and when they got there, Jesus loves on them and commissions them to follow them with the re- for the rest of their lives and to love the people he would bring them to God. What does it look like for Jesus to open the door of your home and say, I'm here, welcome home. You walked in this morning, I don't know how you walked in. You walked in with some, some kind of experience that you brought in. It might be that you were just wiping the sleep out of your eyes because you just got it 15 minutes before you got here. Good for you. Way to get here. But maybe you had a little bit more thought than that. You might have if you were married or have a family, and I'm not sure how I know this, but you might have gotten into an argument on the way here. <laughs> don't laugh too hard. You might have gotten here from a hangover from last night. I hope that there are some people in here that have had hangovers, not because I want you to spend your life chasing a dream that can't be fulfilled, but I pray that you're here because you were called by God to experience the welcome home that he has for you. I don't know your story. Maybe you're carrying the burden of a job that's failing, a relationship that's failing. You might be in here with great news. You might be floating in here on cloud nine because something wonderful just happened. We come in with all kinds of different experiences, but Jesus knows every one of your experiences. And when you came in that door this morning and you came in that door through the, into the sanctuary, you met some people, but you didn't just meet people. Jesus opened the door for you. He initiated in your heart the journey to be here by the invitation of a person or you just put it, it was on your heart to do it this week or you woke up this morning and said, i got to go to church. But somehow you got here. That was the urging and the calling of the Holy Spirit. And He welcomed you in here not because He wanted to shame you or condemn you or to browbeat you, but He opened the door because He wants relationship with you. And He wants to enter in to the place of your story just like he did with those that he entered into on, in his life here on earth, and as I described at the resurrection from the dead. He welcomes you home today. His doors are open wide, and he is excited to meet with you this morning. 1 Peter 2, 4-12 through is going to be our passage of Scripture for the next few weeks, and so I want you to look with me um, at this passage of Scripture And we'll start at verse 4, and it says this, You are coming, 
And I would put in there, you are coming home to Christ, to Jesus. And who is Jesus? He is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building. And and Peter is talking to the church right now, those who have put their faith in Jesus. He's saying you, church, are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Verse 6, as the Scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust Him recognize the honor God has given Him, but for those who reject Him, the stone that the builders rejected, He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumbled because they do not obey God's Word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are royal priests. A holy nation. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friend, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. Lord, let Your Word have its full work in our hearts and minds this morning. How many of you know that even when you read Scripture, that's a message in itself? That it's living and active. And some of you might even have been pricked in your heart or stirred with conviction or encouragement just by hearing the Word of God. We value the Word of God here at Antioch Waltham. We believe it is living and active. It's active. It's it's real for today. It's not an ancient manuscript only, but it's a living manuscript breathed by the words of God Himself. And that they have... These words have power for our life to train us, equip us, rebuke us, restore us into relationship with God if we trust Him through these words and obey. Verse 4, you are coming to Christ Jesus. You're coming to Christ. You're coming to Christ, Paul, uh, Peter says. Church, you're coming to Christ, the living stone. You're not coming to a building, although we have a beautiful building, don't we? Praise the Lord for a beautiful building in Waltham, Massachusetts. Thank you, God, for this place. But you are not coming to a building. This is not like a mystical, magical building. It's pretty awesome, but it's not going to save you, and it's not really going to change your life. And you're not just coming to a group of people, even though... This is some of the best people in the whole community. I am not prejudiced, but maybe just a little bit. I think you're awesome. But you're not coming to people at Antioch Waltham, although there's wonderful people here. The, what sets the church, this church, Little C, and the church, Big C, all of these collections of churches that are meeting throughout the week here in Boston, in, in Waltham area, What makes the church distinctive is that you're coming to Jesus. 
You're coming to God. You're coming to Savior of the world. You're coming to the Creator of all mankind. You're coming to the one that knows the hairs on your head and knows the thoughts in your heart, thoughts in your mind and the, the motivations of your heart. You're coming to a living God who was the beginning, who now is alive, and who will always be Jesus. Did you open the door this morning in your mind to that Jesus? That Jesus is welcoming you home. And Peter says that he is the cornerstone. The cornerstone, a stone representing the starting place in the construction of a building of significance. The foundational stone of which everything is held, is the starting point in which everything is built off of. If you walked up this morning and if you were very observant, if you were very observant this morning and you saw this, give yourself a reward. But when you walked up, the cornerstone of this building is right on the corner, right as you walk up. It's about right, right above the sidewalk. It's got a date inscripted on it when this, this, at least this part of the building was built. And that cornerstone is the beginning stone that would begin to set the foundation for this building structure. Peter is saying that Jesus is the beginning of all things. Jesus is the beginning of the church. So if we are going to be a church, if we are going to be connected with God, the beginning is not doing some religious activities. The beginning is not uh, uh, doing uh, paying penance. The beginning is not uh, being a great and good person. The beginning is not thinking right. The beginning of our lives and the life of the church is Jesus, the living God. So it makes sense, it would be very important for us to get to know Jesus. Welcome home to Jesus, the beginning of all things, the cornerstone of the church, the cornerstone, honestly, of all the world. He's not just the centerpiece, he is the foundational piece of which we are all built upon. For the rest of that verse says, Jesus was chosen for great honor. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. And what does the great honor look like right now? The great honor of Jesus right now, the Scripture says, that at the end of time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every human being that's ever lived on this earth in one voice, because when they see Jesus, they'll realize He is who He, is, who he said He was. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. Honor. We know in 2 Timothy and Titus 2, 2 Timothy 2 and Titus 2 that Jesus is the salvation, the one who saves men and women from their sin for all men and women that have ever lived. He is our salvation. We know that Scripture says in Revelation 19 that He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Every authority that has ever been, every powerful ruler, both on earth and in heaven, if we were to see and know angelic beings and created beings, no one has the authority over Jesus. All honor from the beginning of time has been given to Jesus. Do you have that kind of respect and honor for Jesus in your heart and in your life. Can you say, this is who He is? Verse 5, he is a li- we are living stones like Him who is the chief cornerstone and holy priest. 
so that when we place our trust and honor upon Him, we receive something from Him. It says that He is the mediator for us. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now listen to this. And this this is important for us all to remember and for those of you who are coming for the first time who haven't heard this in this way. The great honor that Jesus now has, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Savior of all mankind, the, 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 the preeminent being in all the universe that we see now, you know how He got His honor? He was chosen by God to be a mediator for you and me. His honor came because He was willing, Philippians 2 says, He was willing to empty Himself of His heavenly honor, His heavenly position, He was willing to empty Himself of that place and to become a man born of a virgin, living in this earth, ridiculed and rejected by men, the Scripture says. And then what? The ultimate end of His rejection was that He was crucified on a cross. Brutally beaten, crucified, tortured, killed for you and I. So that He might become the great sacrifice for your sin and my sin. He was honored by God. In His honor, He was asked to die for you and me. We don't have a... um, In this day and age, as we look at the leaders of the world, I'm not sure that I know of a leader that is speaking in front of people right now who I sense in their heart if they had to die for their people, they would die. But that's a human context. And they're not God. But God who had it all said, I would be willing to die for you. Put your name in that place and hear Jesus say, Sean, My honor was to die for you. Chosen by God to be honored. Honored how? That in our weakness, in our sin, he would die for us. God made him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The foundational stone of the temple is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. David walked up to me. David Pucci, one of our elders here at the church, walked up to me during the time of worship as we were singing. And he said, I see a picture of people saying, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. And the shame of... of brokenness blaring in their lives. And over that flashing sign, God was saying, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. And the only way that that not guilty overpowers the guilty sign is not because all of you prayed a really good prayer. 
or you did something really good before the Lord really quickly. No, there's nothing we could do. The only thing that removes the guilty stains in our life is the blood of Jesus. The honorable one who was willing to die so that we could be set free. When you open the door of your heart this morning and Jesus said, welcome home, was there a Savior in front of you? With tears of joy in His eyes with holes in his hands, in his feet, who said, welcome home to your salvation and your forgiveness and your restitution and reconciliation with God. How do we come in to that home when he opens it up and he gives us a way to come in? If you open the door at that time and you saw Jesus as your Savior, or right now you're replacing the image that you had with the Savior standing at the door of your life. You know how you come into a door with Jesus there as the Savior welcoming you home? You walk in. You walk in. Well, no, 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 no. i got to do something. Every time I share about Jesus with somebody who doesn't know about Jesus but has some concept of religion. Almost every time that I tell them about Jesus, you know what they say? If they're, if, if they're not in a place of belief, their first response is, I'm not ready yet. Well, what do you mean I'm not ready? You're not ready yet. Well, I'm not ready because they're either saying one of two things. They're either saying I'm not ready yet because I've got to do some things to get ready so that I can be presentable to Jesus. Or they're saying, I'm not ready yet because I want to do some things before I come to Jesus. Some of you, some of us open the door and it's Jesus and you're like, oh darn, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. If you are who you say you are, can I just go over here for a little bit longer? I'll come back in about 10 years. Because we think that something over there is better than what's in the house of the Lord, in the presence of Jesus. And everybody in this room who has walked through the door of salvation and allowed God to wash them free from their sins and their shame knows that there's nothing better out there than, it is, than it, what is in here with Jesus. But there's something that lies to us and tells us, ah, Jesus is at the door. Quick, close it. Maybe you didn't see me. That's the enemy lying to you. Because when you're seen by God, you're not only known for all the brokenness and sin in your life, and we all have it, by the way, I I, along with you, we are sinners saved by the grace of God. He not only sees everything that's broken in you, He sees the potential in you when He comes in and changes your life. He sees the love that He has for you, and His love is penetrating, and it burns away all of the chaff and all the problems in your life, and it set you free. Ah, okay. I asked God, I said, God, I want to burn for you tonight, today. And he, I didn't realize that I was going to get so hot up here. Lord, faith. So we walk through the door. And can I tell you that walking through the door does not mean a religious exercise? And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It just means that you believe that the Jesus that's sitting in front, standing in front of you is the real deal. That He really loves you. That He really is the Lord of all lords. That He really has done something for you that nobody else can do. And He really is your only hope, Scripture says. When we 
have the door of heaven opened up to us and Jesus says, come in, the only thing that you have to do is believe that that invitation is real and walk in and be with Jesus. That's unbelievable. Let's just think about that for a second. For those of you that this is the first time you've heard it, I am not making this up. I'm not making this up. It's right. It's right here. It's right here in the Bible. It's right here in 150 or so people's lives who have experienced His grace. It's right around us in the thousands upon thousands of people in this city who have experienced the presence of Jesus when they've walked into their house. It's around this city with the millions of people in this world who have experienced the life-changing nature and reality of Jesus. All you have to do is walk in. You don't have to say a hundred Hail Marys. You don't have to do anything but believe. It says right here that those who trust, yes, verse 7, yes, you who trust Him recognize the honor God has given Him. You have faith. You believe. You trust. And you humble yourself before the Lord. And you allow Jesus to take your pain, your hostility, your fear, anything that's present at the door, and you let Him do a new work in your life. It's what happened to me. When I walked into the door of Jesus, when I looked at my, for those of you who heard my story, when I was 13 years old and Jesus opened the door to me and said, come in through the eyes and voice of my brother who was five years older than me, and he says, do you want it to ask Jesus to come into your life? When I walked through that threshold, the fearful, shame-filled young man that I was was transformed by the love of Jesus. I've never been the same again. Have you experienced that kind of salvation? Anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. And there's a warning in verse 7. It also says that the stone... Um, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the store, cornerstone, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, so they meet the fate that was planned for them. What is, what is not obeying God's word? It's just not believing. It's not believing in Jesus. It's not walking through the threshold. It's having the door uh, opened up and Jesus saying, hey, welcome home, and you go, you know what? Nice to meet you, but I'm all set, thanks. And you walk away. You know what? It's a great offer. Not buying today. Come back another time. But wait a minute, you're in my house. Get out. It's not believing. It's not believing that God is who He says He is. Hebrews 11 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because we must first believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Do you believe? Are you willing to trust Him? When we trust Him, He will not disgrace us, it says in that previous verse. And who are we? When we trust Him, we are chosen and special. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can 
Show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once a people, well, not a people, now people, once no mercy, now you have mercy. We are chosen. You're wanted. You're valuable. This precious possession, it says in here, says in this verse, a, a people belonging to God is another, another translation, um, uses this imagery of a king who has a special treasury that only, is only for him. A special uh, uh, set-aside area of jewels or, or precious possessions that only the king has access to. That's the imagery in this, in this passage of Scripture, that the King of kings, Lord of lords, has a special place, and that special place is designated for His precious possessions. And who are His precious possessions? And where is His special place? The church. The church. We are the special treasury of heaven. And you, if you are a living stone, one who puts his faith or her faith in the Lord, is that precious possession. You're the delight of God. And there is no darkness but light. There's freedom. So as the band comes, comes up, I'm going to just end with this. Welcome home. If you're here, Jesus is saying, he told me to say this, welcome home. Welcome home to Jesus. Welcome home to the one who loves you more than you can ever imagine. Jesus is opening the door the Jesus who has compassion, who has power to heal and to save. The teacher is the Jesus who is the great teacher, the, the Jesus who is the great forgiver, the friend who has all authority. So as you welcome Jesus home, what does Jesus look like right now to you? So why don't you close your eyes and let's just pray. Who is Jesus to you? We, I asked you to do this at the beginning of the message. I want you to do it again now that you've been listening and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But you come to the door of your life, your home, and you open it up, or the door is opened up for you, and standing before you is Jesus. Who is He to you? Is Jesus standing there as a suffering Savior? Does he look like the one who's just come off the cross but in his glorified body? And is he standing before you with arms open wide saying, welcome home. Come into, come into my presence for the first time. If that's you, and I want to just pray a special, specific prayer for you right now. If you say, I'm seeing the Savior in front of me, and this is the first time I've seen Jesus in this way, and as you've been talking, Pastor, I, I really believe that Jesus brought me here this morning and he wants to welcome me home to salvation, to forgiveness. If that is you, then I just want to pray for you right now. The scripture says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's raised from the dead and that he's Lord of lords, and you're saved. So Lord, if there's anybody in this room that's opening the door to you for the first time, I pray courage to walk across the threshold and to put their trust in you. And as they walk through that door, I ask God that you would 
Bring them to a place of full repentance in their heart that they wouldn't hold on to the sin that so easily entangles them and destroys their life, but they would give that to you. They'd receive forgiveness in that place of repentance. And they would trust you with their life. They'd trust you with their future as they put their hope in you. Would you come into their life right now and breathe new life and set them free? With our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer, if that was you, would you mind just raising your hand? Because I would love to have the opportunity to talk to you and to minister to you this morning. If that's you, the first time that you've ever responded to the Lord, nobody's looking around. If your eyes, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that was you, just raise your hand. 